to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and if my voice sounds weird, it's just because I, <laughs> my mom is still in town, and she knocked on my little office door, and she just came in, and she brought me, she like slid a little package across the desk, and it was a birthday cake, I guess this is a truffle? Because it's like a hard chocolate on the outside and soft chocolate on the inside. A little birthday cake truffly thing from Seeds Candy. Just put it on my desk. It's a little treat. And that moms are the best. Aren't they the best? At first, yeah, I was like, Mom, I'm recording. But <laughs> I, could, I could record anything. I can't uh, recreate a delicious white chocolatey sprinkle covered truffle. Sprinkles are all, are all over the floor of my office now. And you know, I'm going to be too lazy to clean them up. So um, hopefully, maybe the ants will get them. Who knows? I don't live in a bug infested house, don't worry. But we are dealing with ants. Anyway, <laughs> not what we came here to talk about. We are here to talk about churros calls, theme park calls, a bunch of different calls. But before we get into that, this week on our churros hotline, roundup episode with a bunch of calls we have not yet gotten to that I'm so excited to answer. I do want to mention, uh, how about that Hanukkah display at World of Disney, Disney Springs? I put it on Twitter. I put it on my Instagram stories. Thank you, Hillary. Shout out to Hillary for sending it to me. Oh my gosh. I have been ringing the bell asking for representation for years and now we kind of have it. It is incredible to see a full-blown Hanukkah display at a Disney store and not featuring the, I don't want to say the garbagey products that we used to see trotted out year after year after year. These sad, what was it? Live, live, laugh, lockies, live, love, lockies. Just the horrible white and white and blue tea towel that we would see every year. I can't believe I can't remember it. Okay, now I have to look it up. Now I have to punish myself and look at it again uh, because it is the worst thing I've ever seen. But now there are the light laughter and latkes. Yeah, you know, the go-to Hanukkah phrase and said nobody ever. Um, Now there is a, there's lounge fly bags. There are shirts. There are shirts featuring the characters, featuring the full group, one featuring Minnie and Daisy. And it's wonderful. I am so thankful. And to anybody who had a hand in doing this, thank you so, so, so much. It it means the world because as we mention every Shrek Zember, it is not easy to be a theme park fan who doesn't celebrate Christmas for, I used to say the last two months of the year, but now it's kind of the last quarter of the year. You are surrounded by this stuff. And yes, Christmas is amazing. Like Christmas is low key, not low key. Christmas is the highest key. Phenomenal. It is fun. And for years I just went and I smiled and I had a nice time and I'm like, yeah, this is my holiday, but boy, is it a treat. And then I realized, uh, wait, <laughs> why? If, if now everything is, if now we are so focused on inclusion, which is wonderful. And we really strive to include and make people be seen. Why Why is there nothing for Hanukkah? Why do we never see a character in the parks uh, referencing Hanukkah at all? Why do we always feel left out and behind? And now to see new merch that is thoughtfully designed and stuff that's cute that people want to buy in the stores means so much. So thank you to anyone at Shop Disney, anybody at merchandising, anybody who works at the parks, at the stores. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for designing and making this happen. That said, DreamWorks, <laughs> you better hurry up because we need Shrek wearing some sort of Hanukkah memorabilia, memorabilia, some sort of a Hanukkah wear in the park. This truffle is too sugary. It went straight to my head and now I can't function. It's delicious though. Oh God, it's delicious. But yeah, too much, whew, too much sugar. I feel like a, like a child who just had a full chocolate bar when they weren't supposed to. But yes, uh, DreamWorks, come on, come on. His name's Shrek, it's Yiddish, come on. We are we are working on Shrek's Ember. It'll be a fun one this year. But until then, we have all things theme park. 
and so many things ahead. There are so many fun episodes coming in the next few weeks. So I, uh, I will turn it over to your calls. But again, keep the calls coming. We answered a bunch of them in this episode. If you have any other ones, just give us a ring-a-ling and we'll be happy to answer it. Okay, see you soon. Bye-bye. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Amanda from Chicago. No questions, just a quick story. I was in Switzerland on business, wandering around Zurich on an early Saturday morning before my flight, listening to podcasts as one does. A few minutes after listening to the announcement of Very Amusing's triumphant return, I came upon a toy store with a display of those fancy stuffed toys that they make in Germany um, that was described as Disney with the big castle logo behind it. Right in front of the castle was a proud little Shrek and donkey. Was this a flagrant mix of IP? Yes. But was it also the first time I've seen Shrek in dozens of trips to Zurich? Also yes. So clearly this is the sign that all of Switzerland is celebrating your return. Long way of saying, I'm thrilled to have you back. And if you find yourself needing to get your daughter a 500 plus franc stuffed Shrek, I can send you to a great little toy store in Zurich. Oh my gosh. Okay, I... (laughs) Whenever things like this have happened to me where I'm like listening to something and then I see something in real life where it correlates, I just get very scared that I'm asleep and dreaming and then I'm going to wake up and live a totally different life and be a totally different person. So I'm I'm very glad that listening to my, uh, as you said, triumphant return did not cause an existential crisis to you like it would have for me. But oh my Gosh, I looked this up. You you are absolutely right. Not that you would be lying, but there is a Stife. Is that st- Stife? I, I have never said it out loud, and I know you just said it, but I already forgot. Uh, I'm looking at a, a Shrek, a, a Shrek, uh, 17 inch tall limited edition of 1500 Shrek stuffed. I guess you wouldn't call this a plush toy. It's, you know, it's type. It's like the fancy stuffed animals. And what's so funny is that usually when I see those when I'm at Epcot or like I see those at a at a fancy swanky baby store, I think that they are like classy and refined. And this Shrek one truly looks. Like Universal Studios merch. I am shocked by how this does not look $500 worth. Uh, I will put a link to this in the show notes. This this Shrek just looks like a regular... I'm looking at my other Shrek stuffed animal in my office. They look exactly the same. How is that possible? How is that possible? Um, (laughs) Thank you for this story. Thank you for this knowledge that you can get an elegant Shrek stuffed animal for all of your uh, highfalutin Hanukkah experiences. And I also must be intrusive and ask... Do you work for Lint? Like, do you work for Big Swiss Chocolate? I know you said you travel back and forth to Switzerland a lot. I I need to know. You can just, like, text me on the side at 747 Churros. Do you work for Big Chocolate? You know, like the circle balls of chocolate? Do you work for them?
I love them. They're great. I just want to talk to you about chocolate. Okay. <laughs> That's a side conversation. Anyway, thank you for calling. Wow. Wow. $500 Shrek. He's worth it. He's worth it. Hi, Carly. This is Teresa from Washington State. And I know you are not a run Disney person, but I'm hoping you can help me sort of plan the best way to attack this trip in January with my husband. We are signed up for the NK on January 14th, which I believe will be an early Saturday. Um, I'm not sure what time the race starts yet, but, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be very early in the morning. And I I just don't know how to plan our days in the park around this race. Um, should I be in the park Friday before? Should I be in the park Saturday after? Um, I am a magic key holder. I have the enchant key, and I am blocked out on Saturday the 14th. I'm just, in general, not sure what to expect to be planning days in the park around run Disney Um and this is in Disneyland, I should mention. Anyways, if you have any sort of tips, uh, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Wait, I'm kind of obsessed that you called me with this question because, <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm not a run Disney person. However, I have done run Disney once. And when I did it, it was at Disneyland. So I do feel like I have the expertise to answer this question. I actually, I don't know why I was looking at this, but I was looking at this recently and I feel like I kept seeing people say, don't go to the parks after you run. Like, go back to your hotel, take a shower, relax, take your time. But here's the deal. I ran a half marathon with Run Disney in probably 2019. And when I ran it, I was not in shape to be running a half marathon. What happened was that my brother told me he signed up. He lived in San Francisco at the time. Him and his wife signed up for the race. And we were all going to run the 10K together, except that, oops, they signed up for the half marathon. So then I got goofed into a half marathon. I don't know how to run that much. Um, I only trained up to probably eight miles and then just did my best. So keep in mind that I'm coming from a sore person perspective. I'm not coming from like a regular runner just spending the day in the parks after. I was, <laughs> this was a lot for me to run this much. The most I've ever ran in my whole, whole, whole life ever, <laughs> ever, never will again. So that said, having done that, I went to the parks after, and I think that is the right choice. And here's why. One, you just ran a whole race, which means that you need to refuel. You need so much food in your body after running that much, after waking up that early. Like, you are just burning energy, and you need to replenish. And there is no better place to replenish than Disneyland. It was so fun to be like, wait, I'm not just eating for fun or, like, eating because it's lunchtime. I need food in me right now, and I can just eat a Mickey pretzel, eat a popcorn. Like I could take down so much delicious food after this race that it was exceptional. The second thing I'm going to say is that you feel like a hero. Come on, you just ran a race and you get to walk around. Everyone knows you ran. It's like fun. There's camaraderie. Like you, okay, I'm not pro, I'm not pro run Disney. Don't misinterpret me. I do not like running. However, it was very fun to have accomplished that and then been able to share that with people in a public way and to see other people who did it and to get there and take a picture and be like, yeah, we ran. We woke up this morning before the sun woke up, before the sun like hit its snooze button and you were out and you ran a race and you should be proud of yourself for doing that because you did it. So I do think even though you have the annual pass, I would probably just buy the ticket for the day and go for the day because it's really nice to celebrate accomplishing something so huge. As you know, I don't regularly run races, so I'm sure there's better advice out there, but the advice that I will give you 
is just to plan to go to sleep early the day before. Go to sleep early. Don't have coffee in the afternoon. Just try to get to bed as quickly as you can because the next morning is going to be a harsh early wake up. I think that's all the advice I have. Uh, Have so much fun at your race. I'm probably going to be there (laughs) cheering people along because I have some friends in town. Um, So if I see you, say hi. Uh, Otherwise, have, have a great run. Have a great run. Hey, Carly. My name is Desai. I just want to say love the show, love everything that you do, love your Instagram, all the content. Um, your baby girl is absolutely adorable. I am very interested to hear how you plan to navigate the parts with a little teeny tiny baby because I am an aunt for the first time. Um, I come from a really big family. We have five, five of us, five siblings, my niece first. The first uh, grandchild, first niece, that my husband and I don't plan to have kids, and so to spoil her to death, of course, and we're going to go to Disney for her first birthday next year. And so I really can't imagine putting a baby in my arms and, like, riding a boat or whatever. So um, we're both new to the new world of Disney with babies, so please help. <laughs> Love everything you do. Bye. Oh my gosh, congrats on becoming a first-time aunt. It's really exciting, isn't it? It's, it's, I don't know. I was very excited when I became an aunt. Also, thank you so much for the kind words about Lil Girl Pearl. Uh, I, I thank you. I thank you on her behalf. I would love to give you advice, but I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like, I truly have no idea what's going on. When I was on the outside, I always thought parents just just knew, like, through osmosis or, like, having other parent friends or things like that. They just knew what to do with kids. I have no idea what's going on. Every time she gets a month older, I'm like, where's the, where's the manual? Like, where's the encyclopedia that I turn to and it tells me everything she does? Basically, she does something, I go... Uh, is that okay? And then I Google it or I text some friends and they're like, yeah, it's fine. And then Google's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's fine because the internet said so. So yeah, I kind of feel the same way about taking her (laughs) to a theme park for the very first time. Now that said, there are many, many resources out there and many people who have done this before us who can give us very good advice. But what I find is that A lot of the advice obviously comes from people who have already done it. People who have packed the bag for Disneyland more than once, who have brought the stroller and put it in stroller parking. And they're like, bring that weird shoe caddy thing to put on the end to put your stuff in. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. Like the thing you put on the wall, you put your shoes in. People hang that for like putting stuff in pockets. Again, I am not there yet. We're not. (laughs) To me, kids are either before goldfish or after goldfish, like BG, AG. And when you are, when you're eating goldfish as a snack, when you're like, I got to pack goldfish for my kids, that is a very different kid than what we're working with. Like a fresh baby, a youngin who's like still getting into it, still growing actively, still not fully eating food. We're in the, the BG period, the before goldfish. So I, I, I can't really use the advice about how to pack snacks and how to do this stuff. I'm more like, exactly like you're thinking. Like, you tell me I can bring a baby on this ride, but where do I put them? Like, does the lap bar smush them? Am I going to smush my baby on a lap bar? I truly don't know. Uh, When I took Pearl on the sea glass carousel in New York City, uh, they put a seatbelt on us and I'm like, I could... I, I don't I don't want to. It's not my intent, but like I I, I could like like it's too easy to let go. I don't even want to say it. Like it's too easy. They're just you hold them. You just hold them. You're just allowed to hold them. No one's like scolding you. I, it's again, 
<laughs> Maybe this is, I hope the parents relate to this and they're not like, oh no, this woman is struggling at bringing up baby places. But it's so weird to me that you just go on these little rides by yourselves for a long time and then you're in it with a small person. And if the small person is too small to sit next to you on the seat, what do you do? I guess you just hold them on your lap and they put the bar over you and you just you just hold on real tight. We're going to find out together because I, I am not sure. To be completely honest with you, I originally was thinking, okay, uh, my daughter turned six months. I feel like, you know, Disneyland is a, is a drive away. If I leave very early in the morning, if I go on the weekend to avoid traffic, maybe we can squeeze in her first trip. That was supposed to be a week ago and I decided against it. I was mentally ready and then realized, oh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm in too deep. I think from the, the stroller and the tram and all of that, I, even that part is a little over my head right now. And again, there are resources that I'm telling you to look up to that I should too. And I will stop rambling about my <laughs> theme park child anxiety. But the truth is, I don't know what I'm doing. And I guess a lot of people don't either. You just clutch them real tight and hope they enjoy whizzing around on, on, on whatever ride they're able to go on. Can you believe that they can go on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway? Any age, any height, any baby? My baby can go to, to Daisy's little dance school? Wild. Anyway, I will check back because when it does happen, we will get into it. As someone who uh, is currently in that little period where you don't know what you're doing when you bring a kid to a place like this. But I hope to one day reach the level of advising other people on what to do. But yeah, I hear you and I see you and good luck if you go before me. Okay, bye. <laughs> Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the super light tree runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? 
What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, Carly. Um, this is Caroline from Orlando. Um, I have a quick question about, there was a PR event years and years ago, and you may have talked about it on the podcast. I don't know where I originally heard it, but there was a PR event, event when Harry Potter uh, World at Universal Hogsmeade first opened, and it was for all this press, and there were videos of a dragon drone that flew over all of the guests for this special event. I say drone. I don't think it was a drone because at the time, I don't think that was a capability. I have no idea what the technology was. And so I was calling to ask, one, can you dig up a video? Because I know you're capable. Two, is there any more information on what this was, how it worked, why we never saw it again? Thank you for your investigative work. We love journalism. (laughs) Thanks. Have a good day. Yes, you are, I think, partially, if not completely, correct. So, yes, Universal Orlando Resort, when they first opened the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, had a gigantic media event. There were two huge openings because, of course, they opened the Hogsmeade Village, Hogwarts Castle half, and then later the Diagon Alley half. They opened them at separate times, and there were huge media events for both. However, I scoured red carpet footage. I watched truly the lowest resolution video I have ever seen on YouTube. (laughs) Ever, 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 ever. One of the openings was about 11 years ago. Um, So when I tell you the video footage is bad, it's bad. And I watched multiple videos from different perspectives of both grand openings of Diagon Alley and of the one in front of Hogwarts Castle. And I did not see a dragon anywhere. There were a lot of fireworks. There was a lot of fire as though a dragon was breathing it for the Diagon Alley opening. But day or night there, I did not see any sort of dragon drone. I did see, though, which I completely forgot about, um, was a Dr. Filibuster's firework being lit, which is very cute. But no, I, I did not see a dragon as part of this. I think you might be conflating the opening of New Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World with this event, because that did famously have a dragon fly overhead. Now, if you're wondering why why is there this dragon I heard of, why have I never seen it again? This stuff happens all the time. And I really, 
I can't explain it to you because from the media perspective, it, I mean, it really helps draw attention to the new opening that they're promoting. It's very exciting to have a one night only special grand celebration opening moment. It is wonderful. It plays well online. People put in their stories like it's great. And it's also very fun to see it. However, theme parks do this all the time. Like they, they show us one incredible thing in an opening to blow us away. And then it is never seen again. The dragon at New Fantasyland, when they opened that, is kind of the most famous, most well-known version of this, which is why I think that might be the one you're thinking of. But recently they did this uh, when they opened Rise of the Resistance at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World. Disney partnered with Boeing, Boeing, for some X-Wing drones that were used just for that event, just for that one night, just for the people who happened to be there. Like, truly, if you went to the bathroom, you would have missed it. And Disney partnered with Boeing just for this one thing for us to see with our eyes and then poof, never again. I, as someone who attends these events, who is lucky enough to attend these events, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I I feel bad about it because often we're like, look at this cool thing. And then nobody can ever see it again. And often the cool thing they show fits so well within the story of the uh, the land or the place that they're opening, the place they're celebrating. It fits in so well. And we don't they don't get to share that with anyone except for just a little video of it. It always feels just out of reach, but like it could be there every day, but isn't. Like the dragon seems like it could be part of Night 10 Entertainment, but it was never seen again. We saw a walk around Hondo Onaka in one of these Star Wars Galaxies Edge events. Um, it was one of the openings of the, the whole land, because that's when Smuggler's Run was debuting. And I don't remember which one. I feel like it might have been Florida, but it might have been both. Uh, there were four Star Wars Galaxy's Edge openings <laughs> back and forth, so uh, I, I struggled to keep them straight. But still, we saw that character, which seems like something that could happen, but we never saw it again. And it's why we never see it again, because these things aren't designed for daily use, for the staffing, uh, operations, all of that. It's just not intended for that. It's just intended for to be seen once, but sometimes... Some of the most exciting, special, strange little things are only seen once. And I wish that everyone could see the Boeing X-Wing drones. Uh, I wish everyone could see Hondo Naka and like plop up to him and stuff like that. But hopefully, even if it's not the answer you uh, hoped for, that I have resolved the dragon case. Also, it's very funny to watch footage of uh, theme park openings from like 10 years ago. Daniel Radcliffe was fully in front of Hogwarts Castle, like casting a spell to light it up. I feel like he would never show up in one of these anymore. I don't know if he was contractually obligated to just go to one, but it was it was fun to see him there. And that was before my time before I did this job. So it was fun. One more quick thing because I am bad at math, but I love facts. It was actually 13 years ago Wizarding World of Harry Potter first opened, Universal Islands of Adventure, the Hogsmeade and Hogwarts half opened in 2010. Uh, and then Diagonally, in case anyone is curious, opened a few years later in 2014. Okay, I hope this helped. All right, bye. Hi, Carly. This is Maddie in Dallas, Texas. Um, and I've loved all your Disney Cruise Line content of what you covered on The Wish and The Treasure. It just makes me so excited for, for both of those ships. Um, I'm a frequent cruiser, but um, and a Disney fanatic. But what's always made me not choose Disney Cruise Line is just how much more expensive um, DCL is over cruise lines like Celebrity or Royal Caribbean. In, in that case, but the treasure just sounds so cool. So uh, wanted to know as far as just for planning properly, if you knew uh, what kind of the calendar is for essentially to plan properly financially of what what amount of, of the cruise costs would be 
deposit and then how soon before your your cruise date like the remainder amount has to be that way um just to see if this is at all feasible and help for planning um just because without actually booking a cruise there's not an easy way to find this information so i figured carly would be able to help so um let me know if you can um love your show um love all, all your coverage and have an awesome day Hi! I am so excited for you and your family that you're considering your first Disney Cruise Line sailing. And I obviously have so much to tell you. Now, Disney Cruise Line offers a pay-at-your-own-pace program, where essentially you put some money down and then can customize your payments from there. But I also have a little good news. Back in August of this year, Disney Cruise Line introduced a flexible payment calendar. There are some stipulations to it and restrictions, but I will put a link to Disney Cruise Line Blog's explainer of how it works in the show notes. Disney Cruise Line Blog, by the way, very, very good resource when it comes to all of this. But here's, here's the thing. You say you're a frequent cruiser, a Disney fanatic, you usually go in Royal Caribbean, which I used to too. I see you, love Royal Caribbean. But I have another idea. <laughs> And don't, don't, uh, I was going to say hang up the phone. Don't turn off the podcast. I'm actually going to tell you to not go on the Disney treasure. And here's why. Yes, the Disney treasure is shaping up to be great and beautiful. And personally, I literally absolutely cannot wait to step foot on this ship. But Disney treasure is also going to be the most expensive product Disney Cruise Line has when it debuts. And if you've never sailed with Disney before, and we're already talking about the nitty gritty of finances you should go on one of the older ships. The older ships are fantastic. They are still great. They regularly update them. They are wonderful. But more importantly, even though they're older, they still have the exact same essence of Disney Cruise Line. I'm talking the service, the rotational dining, the character meet and greets, the Broadway-style shows, the uh, onboard spectaculars, the fireworks, the fun Disney-themed restaurants, the Mickey Waffles. All of it is on the four original ships. And when I say four original, I'm leaving out The Wish because The Wish and The Treasure are sister ships and set up similarly. The Wish is newer and will be pricier. The earlier four ships are gonna give you a lot more bang for your buck. They're going to be way more affordable. And this way you'll be able to have possibly a longer vacation, possibly go to different destinations you might not have been able to afford otherwise, or just save some money on your trip while still sailing with Disney Cruise Line. That said, I also wanna mention, use a travel agent when you book. You can get onboard credits by using them. I've done that in the past when I've booked and it's helped. It's nice to have kind of like free money when you're on board. I hope this is helpful. I don't know if this is the advice you were hoping for, but I think it's the advice that I needed to tell you. I, I think you're gonna be much happier spending a little less, still getting every single Disney Cruise Line perk by sailing on one of the older ships. Personally, I love the bigger of the old, the bigger olders, <laughs> the, um, the Disney fantasy and the Disney dream. I really, really love those ships. And I think if you sail on any of them, you will have a wonderful Disney Cruise Line time. I hope you have so much fun and let me know. Let me know when you end up booking. Okay, bye. Hey, Carly. This is Laurieann from South Carolina calling again. I called you right after I watched the treasure announcement video before I listened to your podcast. So I've just listened to your podcast. It was awesome. I love all of your theories about what you think are going to be the spaces that they haven't said anything about yet. So I can't wait to hear more about that. This, I think, is more of a mini mystery, but it relates also to the treasure. So someone that I saw got to go on the wish to learn about the treasure posted a picture from that, and there's a bookcase behind him, and on the bookcase, it looks like there is a Tower of Terror bellhop hat. 
So I feel like that means to me that has to mean something with Tower of Terror is going to be on board as well. So put on your thinking cap because I think that all of your guesses are really good. And let me know what you think that might mean for the treasure. Have a great day. So you are absolutely correct. If you go back to the Unlocking the Disney Treasure Adventure Awaits on board Disney's newest ship video, which is basically just the YouTube video announcement telling us all the information about the Disney Treasure. If you go to 25 seconds into that video, and I will put this link in the show notes, you will see in the bookshelf in the background, there is a Tower of Terror bellhop hat. And I know I've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to decode everything that is coming to the Disney treasure. But for some reason, in my gut, I just feel that this this is random. This just happens to be there. Will it uh, will it tie into something? Possibly. And I may have to eat my words in the future. But just because they sent more things having to do with the Haunted Mansion directly to press, directly to me... I feel like that is a hint as to what's to come more than this little Tower of Terror hint. That said, there are also a lot of other props in the background, and I just don't feel like, especially because usually these type of promotional videos are, they partner with other companies to make them. I feel like that company may have propped this out instead of someone on the Disney Cruise Line team kind of putting objects in certain places in the background of this video for us to catch. Now, if they wanted to drop a hint towards that, this is exactly what they would do. So I am going back and forth about it. But still, this to me feels like just a little bit of propping and that the Haunted Mansion reference is is more noteworthy. Now, could they both be on there? Yeah, but Tower of Terror, I don't know. It just doesn't it just doesn't feel cruise ship for me. And I know that they are doing Disney parks on the on board this ship for the first time. However, it just doesn't. I just my gut says no. My gut says no, and that's that's all I have. I hope this is helpful and um everyone pretend this response never happened if I'm proved wrong. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, Carly. My name is Jessica. I love the podcast. I've been listening from the start. Uh, it's my little dose of Disney here in Arizona. My question is about Walt Disney World. We're going with my mom, dad, brother, and sister's family, as well as my family of four, uh, in the spring in 2024. The kids are ages 9, 10, 11, and 12 by then. Um, it'll be the kids' first time going, and I haven't been in 15 years. When we usually go to Disneyland and DCA, we like to make a reservation, at least one a day for a restaurant where we can sit down and relax while being in the parks all day. I wanted to do that when we go to Walt Disney World as well. I was wondering what you thought were the best restaurants at each park. So what restaurant should I make a reservation for at each park while we're there? We also have a day off in between going to the parks, and we wanted to do a character dining option. So I wanted to hear what you thought the best character dining was, whether it was in the parks or outside the parks. Thank you in advance. Hi. Oh, my gosh. What an exciting trip. And boy, oh, boy, do I have recommendations for you. So for Magic Kingdom, I would say Be Our Guest is a really good choice if you haven't done it before and would want more of a special experience. But because of the kids' ages 9 through 12, I would just check the menu first in case nothing appeals to them since it's a little... That's more somewhere I would take adults that I was visiting with. Uh, The ambiance is great for all ages, but still just double check the menu. That said... My go-to whenever I'm in Magic Kingdom and actually want a sit-down meal is always Skipper Canteen. But 
But, but, but if you wanted to do your character meal, not on your off day and while you're in the parks, I would also recommend Crystal Palace. I love character dining at Crystal Palace. It's a buffet. Everyone can get what they want. I typically go for breakfast when I go. The character interactions with Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Piglet and Eeyore, like it's really, really good. I've always had the best character interactions there. Um, more than any other restaurant, I'd say, that comes to mind. So definitely keep that in mind if you want to do your character meal at Magic Kingdom. Also, if I sound stuffy, it's because I was just getting stuff out of my closet and it's full of dust. So <laughs> I promise I'm not having a mid-episode a mid episode allergy attack at Animal Kingdom. So usually I used to always recommend Tiffin's, but I haven't been there in a long time and I really don't feel comfortable standing behind it having not been in this amount of time. So I'm actually, for your group, I would recommend Yak and Yeti probably. But again, another wild card. I'm maybe going to recommend you go to Rainforest Cafe. We never talk about Rainforest Cafe at Animal Kingdom. I myself have never been to the Animal Kingdom one because I'm always just eaten in Animal Kingdom, even though it's attached to Animal Kingdom. But I went to Rainforest Cafe at this point a couple months ago, and it was magical. It was really, really fun. It was it was like high octane themed. It's the type of theming you want from a themed restaurant. And I think especially for your group, it would be really exciting to, to sit down during the day and to go there. So don't don't sleep at Rainforest Cafe. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't snooze on it. At Disney's Hollywood Studios, 50s Primetime Cafe is probably the right choice for you, but I'd also recommend considering committing to quick service and do your reservation at Oga's Cantina if people are Star Wars fans. Uh, if you happen to be able to get a reservation for a larger party, that would be a good choice. You're not going to be able to get your sit down and relax moment, but you could uh, find a way at quick services throughout the day to have that instead. Um, 50s Primetime would be really fun for your group, but maybe do both. If you can swing both, if you can afford it, do it. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to be there with the whole fam, I bet. And at Epcot, oh my gosh, there are so many options, but I'm sending you to Via Napoli because for a big group, you want big pizzas. Uh, you can try different pizzas and then you can all split it and everyone's happy. Oh God, I miss Via Napoli. It's so good. And for your day off for character dining, it's a tall order. It's a tricky res to get, but Topolino's Terrace is probably where I would send you. However, the breakfast, the character breakfast at Four Seasons in Orlando is phenomenal. You can take an Uber there. It's no big deal. It's super easy, but it's only offered on Thursdays, Saturdays, and select Tuesdays. So inquire directly if you're interested in that. Um, definitely check your schedule. But I, the, here's the thing. That is such a good character breakfast. The food is actually fantastic, which is huge, but the costumes are, meh. but it'll be really nice to like walk around that property and like take, it's a nice morning off. It really feels like, ah, like a breath of fresh air, which is why for your day off, it might be great. I hope you have the best trip and feel free to call back if you have any other questions. Okay, bye. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening to this very special Churros Hotline episode this week. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. Do it. Why not? It takes like two seconds. You would have been done by now. Just do it. Do it right now and then boop, you're done. So fast. So easy. So nice. Also, I was looking at stats on the back end because, you know, I think I mentioned we're working with a new uh, podcast provider. I was looking at stuff on the back end and a ungodly amount of you listen on Apple Podcasts. I thought everyone was on Spotify, but no, no. A lot of you were on Apple. The, the more you, The more you know. You can give us a call at 747churros, send a voice note to 747churros, or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. Uh, if you listen to this episode and you're like, oh, I kind of want to try that, do it! Leave us a little call and we'll get back to you. You can pick up Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. And you can follow me, Carly Wiesel, at Carly Wiesel, on all the things you can add at. Though, I haven't been on threads much. I feel like maybe I should go back, but it's a whole, it's another thing to click on on my phone and I just don't know if I'm feeling like it. Yeah, I just love, I love Instagram stories. That's, ooh, that's my place. You can also join the Fomily, another place I love, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited ardently by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, honey. I had the best time listening to this episode today. It was so good. I loved it. And it's not just because I did the intro and the ending, but it really was a really great episode. Um, Chris Cox was great. What a fun and interesting episode. He, I could listen to his voice all day long. I love his English accent. Okay, the restaurant, the fat duck with 97 chefs working for 48 people, and the bum-bum train, the makeup TV studio with 100 people audience. How about the refrigerator where you go in and there's food and then you look again and it's a tunnel. Mind-blowing. I want to go to London with you for this so bad. This is the coolest thing. But the best part of the entire thing is that you sent Chris to Wisconsin Dells. Out of everything this guy has been and done, you sent him to the Dells, which is great, but it just cracked me up. He had a little sit-down after the ride. He's so funny. What a great, great interview. I loved it. I love you, and I love you, Pearl. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. Bye, honey. Great job.